0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, I'm Darren Hefty. We're talking humic acid and fulvic acid on today's show. We get so many questions about these things that are out there in your soil right now. But the question is, if you add more and you add them in the right spots at the right timings, can that help you in various ways? And you know, we talk a lot about things like gypsum where. People use that like a silver bullet. Oh, man, it solves every problem out there. Well, it doesn't. It, it's great. It's calcium sulfate. It solves lots of things. It definitely can help with certain things out there, but not not everything. And it's not for everybody, for every time, those kinds of things. There just aren't silver bullets like that. And I do hear humic acid and fulvic acid being talked about that same kind of thing. Oh, it's going to help with this. No, it's going to help with that. And it's just magic. Well, It's not something that every single time you do everything in your field, these things are going to be the greatest thing that you can add and the the greatest return on your investment. But they are very useful tools, and we're going to talk about that today. We're also going to take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Uh, real happy to have in the studio with me uh, Matt Thompson to talk just a little bit about humic acid and fulvic acid. Matt, I know you you really do a lot of work on uh, this subject, uh, naturals in general. And when you think about these humic acids, fulvic acids, one argument that I hear from some farmers is, well, aren't they naturally produced out in my field already? And the answer to that is, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, I think of all categories in this marketplace, I would definitely say humic and Fulvix is probably the most misunderstood and the one tool that people don't know how to use the best. And I think for us and the research that we've done in the course of, of what we have done, humics have a specific fit, fulvics have a specific fit. And I think that's the the way that we've tried to educate the market up until this point is if we're talking a humic acid, Uh, Some soils can handle it really, really well and other soils can't. So uh, our recommendation has always been if you've got soil organic matter under two and a half percent, a humic typically is going to have a pretty big fit. Um, If your soil organic matter is over that two and a half percent mark, then then we tend to switch over to the fulvic acid. So I guess, Darren, we probably should really back up and almost talk about the difference between humics and fulvics and, and why they're important and what they do.
0: All right, so you mentioned humic and fulvic, and in humic acid, when you buy humic acid, you're also getting fulvic. That's right. And that's that's one thing that I think is kind of interesting. I'll, I'll throw that out to, to growers sometimes, and they'll be like, wait, well- I, I just want the humic. Uh, so what what's the
1: difference between humic acid and fulvic acid? Yeah, I mean, fulvic acid really is just almost a more refined product. So, you know, we're talking about a lower pH and we're talking about a product that has a lot more intricate ability to move things within a plant and, and get into individual plant cells in the fulvic aspect. So I think what growers need to understand when we talk about humic acids is it's the basis of soil from a foundation level, right? So, you know, when you go back millions of years ago to when the earth was formed, um, depending on if it's forests or um, different areas of earth that we've seen compression because of glaciers, uh, all create different materials that we can generate humic acids out of. And um, those consistencies are different and that way they're mined all makes different products. So Um, For us, we've always been trying to focus on a trusted source and a product that works on a continual basis. We try to stick to using one humic or one fulvic.
0: All right. Uh, You mentioned these different sources that are used to generate humics and fulvics. And this is one that I thought was kind of interesting. So there's a farmer that, that I was working with down in the state of Nebraska. And he had bought this humic product, and it all settled out in his tank. And he had a foot or more of sludge at the bottom of a bulk tank. And he said, what's going on? I bought the highest percentage humic acid that I could find, but not every humic is made from the same material. Right. And there's, there's some differences. So why sometimes are those high percentage of humic claims a bad thing for farmers?
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's some of the dirty science that's behind the scenes on humic and fulvic. So if I raise the pH of a solution up to above 11 or 12 pH, it gives me more opportunity to hold more product. And so when when different companies make claims of having a very big percentage, I think growers think the more the, the higher the percentage, the more value that they're buying when they're buying that particular product. The struggle is, is I can crank the pH of a product up way up in the air, and it gives me more ability to put more solids into suspension to get that claim. Uh, the difficulty is, is when I mix it with water or fertilizer or let that product set for any extended amount of time, those those products will fall out of solution. And ultimately, we're talking about dirt here, right? So the the most refined way of of humic acid, whether it's in a liquid environment or a dry environment. I mean, we're talking about soil humus that's generating those particular products.
0: All right. So we got just a minute and a half left here before we run into a break. But uh, with humics, a lot of times I hear growers say, I'm having good luck putting them out, soil applied or early season or with the plant or those types of things. I hear fulvics used a lot. Uh, foliar. I hear them used quite often with fungicide applications for, gosh, I can't even tell you how many guys have said, I've got a great return on investment putting it in with my fulvic. And that lower pH of the fulvic, moving things in the plant and through the plant, you you look at those pH levels uh, up and down that plant. If you're trying to move something down into the plant, it seems like a lower pH is a good way to do it.
1: Yeah. And you brought up an excellent point. I think for growers, when we look at humics and fulvics and the differences between the two, Um, think about a humic being that long carbon chain that can organically store things and and, and fertilizer-ready form. So if I'm going out and making a nitrogen application, whether that's side dress or a wide drop application, if I put a humic acid in the tank, it very much is going to act like a sulfur source where it's going to help tie that nitrogen up from a volatilization standpoint, but it's not going to make it readily release in a super quick time. It helps slow that process down to make it more available to the plant. Whereas a fulvic, instantly available, gets it into the plant, uh, helps move things around. Yeah, a lot of different
0: things going on here with humic acid and fulvic acid. If it's something that on your farm you've never really thought about or you think, oh no, it's foo dust or something like that, there is some real science behind this and these are products that are widely used in the industry and, and also naturally created in your soil. We'll talk more about humic acid and fulvic acid on today's show and take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD.
2: When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
3: What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall.
4: Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD radio broadcasting from the Martin studio today. We're talking about humic acid and fulvic acid on the show, but, but our phone lines are always open and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You got one from Andrew here up in Northeast North Dakota right now. Andrew, how you doing?
5: Good. How are you?
0: Pretty good. First of all, how's harvest going up in, in your part of North Dakota?
5: Uh, clipping along pretty good. I'm currently, uh, harvesting soybeans right now in the combine.
0: Excellent. Now I have heard some pretty good numbers. I've heard a lot of numbers in the fifties up in your neighborhood. Uh, what are you guys seeing right where you're at? I know that can change a lot just depending on weather and so forth.
5: Yeah. Um, so far the first, Know, four or five fields we've taken off, have yielded at least 50. We had one field um, of actually Zanesto beans go over 60, which is very wow. abnormal in this area. Wow, so.
0: that's awesome. That's Well, you guys deserve it. After last year, it was a tough year for a lot of guys uh, in North Dakota, a lot of low-yielding soybeans. So uh, I'm glad you stuck with the uh, with the program, went with, with some more beans this year. Uh, so I understand you got a question on, on uh, soil fumigants. Talk to me about that a little bit.
5: Yeah, so uh, we're potato growers and we've never, it's all dry land, so it's a little different, um, but we've never fumigated before. But the local co op has been growing, they started about seven years ago using Strike Fumigant, which is um, oh, chlorpiclorin, chlorpic, or chlorpic, yeah, picrin. And they're pushing us to try some. It costs like 350 bucks an acre. Uh, they're claiming some pretty big yield increases. He says, Using this product, or Strike is the uh, brand name over like a Vapam. It doesn't. He's claiming it doesn't kill soil bacteria. And it's just a little safer on the soil. I'm just curious if you have any experience with that. Um, if if it's actually not that harmful for the soil, for like organic matter and just all the all the soil health aspects of it. Wow. And three hundred three hundred fifty also, bucks an
0: acre. Wow.
5: Yep. Yep. And he's claiming they're seeing benefits like since 7 years ago when they first started applying it he said like the year after so you do potatoes and then rotate to the corn you'll see a 20% increase in corn yields by just using a fumigant which i'm skeptical on but that's just kind of the the claims i'm hearing yeah right.
0: what are what are the major diseases that you're seeing in your potatoes and have you had any big issues here the last couple of years
5: no we uh, on our farm we do a pretty good job probably every 4 to 6 years is we rotate a um, and have potatoes uh the big ones are just like scab would be a, a major um disease or not really a disease but it's just like in the soil that affects quality um um, cesareum, all that it's it's always there but i i don't feel like we have on our farm a big issue with it um we use in fungicides we fungicide every seven to ten days foliar for foliar diseases and that. I just not sure if it's worth it. I'm just curious if you have any experience with it. Cause I don't, and it's kind of a new thing in our area.
0: You know, I, I don't either. We have not done that on our farm. We aren't, we aren't potato growers. And, and also I wouldn't say that we've got a huge disease issue either. Like, just like what you're saying now, we could be wrong, right? I mean, there could always just be this low level of stress and maybe it's taking off more yield than we think. But uh, you mentioned using the in-furrow fungicides and then foliar fungicides as well. And if you're able to keep things at bay, I think that's a good deal. You know, the other thing that comes to mind, and my brother isn't in the studio today, but when he is, I, I can just see him right now saying, man, what have we got for drainage in the soil? If we've got poorly drained soil, that's going to be a problem too. But uh, what what are things like up where you're at? I guess, uh, have you got some decent internal drainage? Have you got some subsurface tile? Any of that kind of thing?
5: Um, we We personally don't. I can't convince my dad to to drain tile, but the the salesman did make a claim that he thinks that this strike fumigant is more more beneficial and uh is he would uh, rank it of doing this instead of tile, which I know would be a big big. Uh, you and Brian would probably disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't <laughs> doubt
0: that they're both important. I just know that tile pays every year, every crop. Uh, you know what I mean? It's Even on our dry yep. years, we've got more oxygen, a little bit deeper. And one of the challenges, and for, for any of our listeners, uh, Andrew's up in northeast North Dakota. For anybody in that region, it's it's pretty flat. Uh, there's really good ground, but the challenge can be on these wet years. Um by just even getting in there or getting the crop out sometimes. So uh, I, I think I think drain tile is really important. It, it's just, it's not cheap either, but it's not $350 an acre for a one time fumigant. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's probably two or three times that for a lifetime and you're done. So I, I don't know. I, uh, I, my, I, biggest,
5: my biggest concern is the soil health aspect of it. Is it killing microbes and yeah. and all the beneficials, all, all, the, all the biologicals we're we, I mean, we're we're heavily users of biologicals. Is it just, is it going to kill all that in one shot? Is my fear. Yeah,
0: and yeah, you know, I I would guess the bacteria probably not. The the fungal species, though, are the harder ones to build up. The good guys and, uh, yeah, to try to take out some of those bad fungal diseases. I I don't know. I don't have specific experience in that one, Andrew. We may have to do a little research and get back to you on that.
5: Well, I appreciate the help.
0: You bet. But yeah, I, I was just thinking, man, if your dad's saying, I don't know if I want to spend the money on tile, but I'm interested in $350 an acre on fumigants. Hmm. I'd, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think you guys are doing a really good job managing. And, and you know, if you wanted to, or maybe if your dad wanted to try a little bit on a small field of his, <laughs> that that might be the way to go <laughs> on it just to start. I would say if we were going to try it on our farm, I'd say, you know, maybe on some of Brian's ground, that might be a good idea. Let him be the guinea pig. But is anybody else doing That's so the question I didn't ask you. Are some other guys doing it up there in the um, in the area?
5: Yeah, we're one of the only growers, potato growers in the area that hasn't tried it. Um, everyone's been trying a little bit. There's a couple growers that, that do it, uh, what is it, every five years, I think they're going on a rotation of it. Um, but everyone's trying a little bit of it. We're, we're probably one of the last farms to, to not try because I, I have kind of been pushing back because I'm hesitant on on if it's worth it and then if it's overall harmful to the the soil
0: yeah yeah well i guess the ultimate answer is going to be the yields and you see how the the other guys are turning out and if they've had less disease problems than you and more yield and they can justify a 350 dollar an acre expense i'm not sure what you gross on an acre of potatoes but it's it's a big it's a big chunk of money
5: Mm -hmm, it is
0: well glad to hear the soybeans are going well and um and I'm also glad that you've got opportunities to even be able to consider something big like this. Is uh, that says a lot for where you're at financially. So I'm I'm glad you guys are doing well up there this year, Andrew. Thank you. All right, I'll let you run. We'll uh, we'll talk about that some more and and try and follow up. Maybe uh, if you want to talk to to Janelle here, and she'll catch uh, catch your phone number and so forth or email address. We can. We can go back and forth on that one just a little bit. Now we're talking humic and fulvic acid on today's show, and uh, I was talking with Matt Thompson here just before, and I know we've got uh, got a, another great guest waiting in the wings, but we got about a minute before a break, so um, I'll, I'll maybe hold off on that so so I don't have to break that one up with uh, with a commercial break. Uh, but as we look at, at humics and fulvics, they they are getting used for a lot of things. And in one of the comments Matt made, uh, there's a lot of growers. Uh, that that will look at them with nitrogen applications, and uh, that that has been kind of a nice opportunity as well. I had a grower. Just this year over in Minnesota talked to me about that, where he had put a quart of humic acid in per acre with his nitrogen that he was putting out on side dress and and did some side-by-side strips and saw some really nice gains that way. Hey, I think that's fantastic. There are a lot of different potential opportunities to add some humic acid and fulvic acid back in. And and when you think about these are things that are being naturally generated in your soil, it's the same kind of thing that we talk about with um, microbials that, hey, here's a natural microbe that's in your soil, and if we can put more of the good guys in the right places at the right times, uh, we've got a, a great shot at seeing some gains. Um, you know, we are just talking with Andrew up in North Dakota, and he said we've been, they've been working on natural-type things now for quite a while and trying to build up soil health and uh, doesn't want to risk that by trying different products. And, and I think when you do work on building up soil health and you see the difference that can make in your farm – uh, you'd probably be inclined to, to think the same way. It's, it's really been nice for us. We can tell the ground that we've been, we've been working on much more forgiving on tough years like this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label
6: directions. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its cornhead should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago cornheads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears. Self-adjusting deck plates save kernels. Longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other cornhead works
2: like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. Get more durability for less downtime
4: with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS
7: at SoilWarrior.com. Introducing our most advanced technology from Hypro, the 9915 Series Diaphragm Pumps. Upgraded with corrosion-resistant materials and a multi-piston design to work longer and harder in any condition. Hypro, right on technology, right on target.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Uh, Getting a a little information from up here in the north. Let's head down south in the country. Got Chad Henderson with us right now down in Alabama. He works with the Extreme Ag Group. All right, Chad, we've been talking humic acid, fulvic acid. I know you're working. I know you're hustling this time of year. Uh, What do you got for input on this? Is this something that's a big deal on your farm?
7: I just hope that one day we get to where we're making enough corn that we think that we can make a decision on 350 dollar an acre input
0: (laughs) i thought the same thing we're raising the wrong crops
7: (laughs) yeah that's 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 really really amazing ain't
0: it wow all for a dollar 99 french fry that you're going to get you know you think about that that's right how many french fries you make per acre it's got to be a lot
7: i i don't know well it's just like if you yeah, what? How I many T-shirts is in a bale of cotton or underwear? You know, so it's the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so, so humic acid, fulvic acid—they don't cost three hundred fifty an acre. In fact, they're probably three dollars and fifty cents an acre, or something right. like that. So it's not super big expenses, but sometimes those little things can make a big difference.
7: Oh man, I am i agree hundred percent. Just like the, you was talking about with the other guy, you know, um, we we rarely make a pass with nitrogen and sulfur. You know. Uh, top-dressing wheat or side-dressing corn that we don't have a humic in, you know, fulvic or whatever, you know. Uh, we just use it as a buffering agent. We use it as things in the ground, you know. We use it in a tube. You know, we just use it a lot, especially when we can get it in that zone, you know, where the root system is.
0: You know, right around the roots, we talk about this quite a bit. What do the roots use to, to get nutrients off those soil colloids and make them more available acid? And it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Why wouldn't I use another acid that's safe to our plants that could help with nutrient availability and help our plants take more things in?
7: That's right. And you know, and and, and you know, this is all about availability. You know, I've said it before. You know, if we could go all go out here and buy a 400-bushel blend from our fertilized company, we'd all be buying it, we'd all be making it. But, it's, you know, it's about what's available in the soil, and that's one of the products we use to help things more available in that zone of that soil, you know, is, is humid gas.
0: You know, we look at, at that, You're you're exactly right. It's it's what's going to be available out there because, yeah, we can put on three times as much fertilizer as we do and go backwards and yield. That That's not necessarily the answer, but if we can get bigger root systems and and uh, spread our plants out in an ideal way, and then make nutrients available in the soil, that's that's a, a good thing. Okay, uh, the fulvic side of this. We we hear fulvics a lot of times, foliar. I know for our own farm, we use a lot of fulvic acid when we're doing either foliar feeding, but even more commonly, foliar fungicides. That That's been just a no brainer for us. And I know a lot of our, our listeners would say that too. Do you use a lot of fulvic compared to humic or is there, do you have a preference one or the other or anything like that?
7: Well, it's just like we was talking about, you know, it's according to what we're trying to do. You know, we're with our, you know, the first part, when we was going on the ground, top dressing, that thing, when we go into switch gears and we go into any kind of foliar feeding or even with our herbicide applications or all the way up to our fungicide applications, we switch over to the fulvic you know, and it helps drive things into the plant, you know, whether it's stuff you need or whether it's even on a kill on a herbicide or whatever, it's still driving into the plant more, you know, so that's where we use the Fulbix ad on that side.
0: You know, here again, not an expensive treatment and something that uh, when we look at, plant growth hormones you may have a a time limit that eh, you don't want to do multiple growth hormone applications within a couple of weeks or something like that I know you can overdo it doesn't seem like there's a real limit on this a lot of the products a lot of the growers I talk to they'll say well I use a pint oh I use a quart oh I use a quart and a half and it's like wait a second so have you found that that it's really really rate sensitive for you
7: i I haven't you know and it's according to which one you use and whose it is and you know a lot of times we just want a good one that you know whoever companies you're you're using or what's available just get you a good fulvic and then you know we'll put a carbon source or sugar source with it and and those seem to work real good hand in hand you know when we go to spraying folulars is to do those together and it and you know just kind of and it's and two you know you don't think about it it's a buffering agent as well you know for if you're spraying something that's kind of harsh or you're spraying in the sun and it could burn, you know, you you can take, you can get that out of it as well.
0: All right, Chad, here's here's another thing. So I, I, it's fun when we talk about these kinds of things that so we get feedback from people all over. And sometimes we get this for feedback. Man, you guys want me to mix like three or four or five things in there. And I i have known you long enough, Chad, to know that uh, you're pretty aggressive. You want to you have high yields. You want to have them right now. And when, when yep. you say, hey, guys, let's mix like five things together, are you the one that has to do that? Or do you have other guys in your operation yep. that are like, nope. we're going to trust you, Chad? Yeah.
7: yep so so either my son jackson or or Stewart or myself does most all the spraying and yes yeah, when we come herbicide time oh they're mad at me they're mad at me <laughs> you know um because my son he expects to get about 800 acres a day you know and and when we get to mixing a bunch it cuts it down considerably but i'm you know trying to stress the point if you have one time to do this right you know and this crop is timing sensitive you know and uh, we can all get done if we want to agree to make a less that's fine. That's okay. Just put in your budget that I only want to make so much corn, and that and that's okay if that's what you do. No problem. But just know that you know don't try to make a bunch of corn and not do much work. <laughs> it won't work well for you. you no. So there so
0: there isn't just a there can, isn't just an easy button to push.
7: Yeah, yeah, that's right. We have certain times we can influence the plant, you know, and and those are times when we try to really lean on it. And you know, yeah, it's not fun to mix, but. On the humic and side and the sugar side, you know, we've made those pretty friendly. You know, whether you use a dry sugar or a liquid sugar, whichever one you want, most of the time you can make them pretty friendly. And and even some of the things we do with that, you know, we can mix it in the water and have a hot load, you know, of three 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 and just mix a few of those things in the water that with it went on to some other spray, and it's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to break the bank, you know.
0: You know, Andrew that was on earlier was talking about soil health and, and boy, he was really concerned about all the microbes that he has in the soil. And uh, obviously when we talk about humic and fulvic acid, pretty friendly to what's going on in our soil. Uh, How big a deal is soil health? How, How closely do you guys watch that on your farm?
7: Well, you know, we have to watch it really close, and, 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 I'm, you know, we're all still learning about this. You know, anybody that thinks they got all the answers, I'd really love to talk to them for a little bit, because I sure don't, you know, and we've learned so much, and I really see it, you know, me and you talk several times about the strip killing. I know y'all are big proponents of it, and and that's one thing I see out of strip killing is we're putting that, you know, that dry fertilizer in that band that has the has salts in it and the and abrasive stuff, but we're leaving that middle untouched, unbothered for the most part, and letting that biology run rampant if you will in that middle for the most part so that's one of the things i see out of my strip teal is i feel like i'm trying to do a better job not broadcasting the fertilizer for salt indexes or what have you and trying to keep it to a minimal and then we'll turn around and treating that strip with a humic and trying to buffer it you know trying to do be efficient as we can with what we got
0: you mentioned corn earlier. What about any other crops? Same rules apply. Is it the same strategy with humix, phobics?
7: <laughs> oh yeah, for me it's just you know five gallon buckets at the time. <laughs> corn or bean, just put a five gallon <laughs> bucket. <boy. laughs>
0: well, that's keeping it easy. I like that. All right, so we got about a minute left here for for oh we got about a minute left Chad before we get around and I know you're busy too. Uh, how are things going down on the farm? What you working on today?
7: Well, you know, we finished the corn up. Man, it was rough on us. And we're, we're cutting some soybeans, and we're in the river bottom, kind of kind of staying caught up, you know, desiccating beans. We ain't really talked about that a lot, but we're desiccating beans and staying caught up. And it looks like we'll be in our double crop beans in probably a week to 10 days. So that kind of gives you a good estimate of where we're at, you know, in our crop. Um, so, you know, most people wrapped up with corn and going into soybeans and and uh, moving, like I said, again, into double crop beans. These double crops, we were planted somewhere in the first of June to mid-June,
0: you know. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, and it's still uh, challenging no matter where you farm, weather issues That's and right. all these other things going on. But, uh, uh, Chad, good luck to you guys as you finish out harvest. Stay safe, and we'll talk again down the road.
7: Thank you, sir, and y'all too. Everybody be safe.
0: Talking about humic and fulvic acid on today's show, going to get into some of the science of this coming up after this short break. And of course, if you have any questions about this topic or anything else, uh, it's 844-44-AG-PHD or radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned.
1: in a world of Veltima fungicide.
6: Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide.
1: Okay, Veltima fungicide.
6: No, that's literally the same.
1: Veltima fungicide.
6: Still doing it.
1: Veltima fungicide does it.
6: Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide, swift, simple, and secure.
1: Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer.
0: Always read and follow label directions.
2: When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio today talking about humic acid and fulvic acid. Got one of the industry experts with us right now. We got Doug Phelps with SIPCAM to talk about this. Doug, thanks for joining us.
8: Hi, Darren. How are you today?
0: You know what? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Harvest is just rolling along in our part of the world, and that gets us thinking about next year and what what can we do to raise better crops. One of the things we saw a nice response on our farm this year was fulvic acid for sure we just love new tech cda it's worked great for us what what is what's the big deal with fulvic acid type products doug what why are they so helpful i know we use them a lot as we put on foliar fungicides we we also do anytime we were foliar feeding we're, we're putting on fulvics and i'm certain there's plenty of other uses as we hear from our listeners
8: Yeah, well, I I think one of the things that we really need to remember is that farming has changed over the years. Um, You know, there used to be a lot of the organic materials and residues that were turned back into the soil. And over time, that uh, material eventually transformed itself into soluble humus, which is essentially humic and fulvic acids. As we've, uh, you know, shifted production towards more heavily intensified, uh, less uh, tilling that organic material into the soil, one of the things we've started to do was deplete the soil of these valuable organic acids. And so what we have found is, is that by taking a, you know, a source of soluble humus, like linardite or, or peat, and extracting these soluble humic substances, we can start to supplement those back into the soil and get the benefits that, that our forefathers used to see with these soils back you know, back in the day. And and with the big uh, mindset change of instead of trying to fix the entire acre foot of soil, if we can focus these benefits right to where we can get the best impact, and that is in a starter band with our fertilizer, in a foliar application, with our foliar nutrition and fungicides, we can kind of spoon feed the benefits of these uh, humic substances throughout the growing season and ultimately get the get the results that we're looking for.
0: You know, one of the things that we see, Doug, is um, even though humic acid and fulvic acid have been around since the beginning of time, uh, as far as farmers utilizing them in their programs, for many farmers it's brand new. For many of the providers of some of these products, it's brand new, and there is a lot of difference between products. So uh, as farmers are interested in, okay, I'd like to try this, uh, how do they sort that out? How do they find good product? What, what should they be watching out for?
8: Well, n- number one, I, I guess I'd ask the manufacturer, you know, do they control the source, and are they the one manufacturing it? You know, you'll find that there are a lot of products on the market, companies are basically buying a product from somebody else. You might have three or four different distributors out there with, you know, exactly the exact same product, but just in three different labels. So it goes back to making sure that you're working with the manufacturer who is actually producing the material, because that gives them the ability to control the source of where these humic substances come from. Um, if, you know, if you're not in control of the source materials, what you end up is buying, you know, a, a source material from company A today and company B tomorrow, and that's, you know, in large part what has led to a lot of this kind of snake oil concept, To is that, hey, I used your product last year and it worked great, but then I used it this year and I didn't see any results. Well, if, if, if they really understood that they changed the source of linoidite or they changed the manufacturing process or whatever, that, that probably is in large part why they're starting to see the variability in, in the output. So, you know, um, it's control the source, be the manufacturer, and ultimately show the data that, that goes into that product that proves that the rate on the label matches up with the with the rate that they're recommending and ultimately the performance that you're seeing out of that product on a consistent basis.
0: All right, Doug, if you were a farmer and you said, okay, I'm interested in humic acid, I'm interested in fulvic acid, what would be the best way to try them and what what do you think where do you, or I should say where do you think a grower would see his best return on investment?
8: I think ultimately um, we're, we're seeing that the soil applied in, or at starter in the soil um, application with a humic or fulvic is, is really good, is, is probably the best opportunity. Number one, because it's so important to get that, that plant germinated and out of the ground. And any, any improvement you can make there generally can translate through the, the rest of the season um secondarily would be you know if if in a side dress or in season nitrogen once again i have more time for that biostimulant to affect the performance of that crop through the growing season and then ultimately you know finishing it off with a, a fungicide or a nutritional spray all
0: right we we had uh well we've heard we've heard a number of things here about how growers are using humics. we just had chad henderson on talking about this a little bit and Uh, He talked about adding adding fulvic in, foliar a lot. And I I think one of the things that I I worry about with farmers trying new things is, are you leaving a check strip
1: (laughs) so you really know
0: what you got? Because you get a year like 2022 and, oh, okay, so our yields are slightly off what they were last year. Still good, but slightly off what they were. And you think, well, that didn't work, but maybe it it provided a huge benefit. How do you set up trials? If you're doing it with starter, do you plant half the field and then put it in the starter tank is that what you do
8: well here i'm a big proponent of treating three quarters of the field and leaving a quarter off and here's why let's assume that you've left six uh you know six rows of of uh treated material throughout a field how many growers are actually going to go farm that field according to those six rows If that six rows is ready to harvest, but the balance of the field is not, they generally wait until the whole field is ready to go. Then when you go and and harvest, you know, the treated, it's overripe or too dry or, or, you know, what I would typically see out in California on, say, cannery tomatoes were overripe. And so, you know, yes, you need to leave a, a strip, but I, I'm a big proponent of those treat three quarters of the field so that you're farming it according to the crop performance of the biostimulant and then compare it to the balance. And that's typically where you can see some real differences um, in, in not just yield, but quality and, and some of the other parameters that you're using to to judge the performance. If you've got three fields, three three quarters of one field and and one quarter of the other fields, just so that you're getting a a balanced look at the performance of that product across your acres.
0: We've got a couple minutes left, Doug. Uh, Is there anything on your list that you had that you said, man, I really want to talk about this point or that? Otherwise, I'd really like to talk about product stability, mixing, and just what our expectations should be, too.
8: Yeah, I, um, I just wanted to, to really highlight there's a lot of focus right now on, on humic substances and nutrition. Um, I don't want us to forget the fact that there are other benefits associated with humic and fulvic uh, applications, specifically in the soil structure, uh, soil amendment category. You know, By adding humics to the soil, that's where you can really improve water infiltration and porosity and, and water holding capacity. Um, that's also you know, with the big buzz right now with the microbi- uh, microbiology of the soil and soil health. As you build soil structure in your soil, you're creating an environment in which the microbes that you're putting out there can thrive and survive. Um, you know, what you find is is that sometimes if you put a microbe out there and it doesn't have a good environment for which it's going to flourish, you, you kind of get that bug in a jug mentality of, oh, I wasted my money. But if you create a good living environment for which these uh, you know, inputs that you're putting in from the natural space can thrive and survive, that's, that's a really you know, secondary benefit that you're getting from the humic substance ap- uh, applications.
0: Yeah, lots that we could talk about, and I know Doug could talk about this all day. He's done so much work on this. Doug, we really appreciate having you on. Thanks for, for giving us a little piece of the education here with humic and fulvic acid. Uh, certainly, SIPCAM Agro works on a lot of these products and uh, has got a ton of information out there, too, and some some excellent products that, that growers could try. So I, I'd suggest look for some of those products out there on the market. Uh, and, and, Doug, uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on.
8: Yep. I appreciate it, Darren. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: All right. We're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. Stay tuned.
2: It came on a night like any other. With power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone. Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology. Enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal, and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play.
3: If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at AgBiome.com.
4: Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans' moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more.
2: This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight.
6: Planting windows can close
4: fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact Emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground.
0: Come on in. The AgPhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to AgPhD Radio. We have reached the AgPhD mailbag time. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 AgPhD. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Joined by my brother Brian now to tackle some of these tough agronomy questions. Are you ready, Brian? I think he's muted. Are you muted? Nope. Alright. Uh, I talk- am not muted. First question is about winter wheat herbicides. This one comes in from Wesley. He said, guys, I've got cheat and rye grass coming up in my winter wheat. What can I spray in the fall to help suppress these weeds? About half my ground will be tilled and the other half will be no-till behind soybeans.
6: Oh, yeah. It's you've got a whole bunch of grasses coming in winter wheat. It is. So with cheat grass. I mean, you can suppress, suppress them with a number of different things. Depends on what you're rotating to. So if you're just in continuous wheat, then the options open up a little more because then you could go with Outrider, Olympus, things like that that have more residual and potential carryover, depending on what your next crop is going to be. Otherwise, you've got PowerFlex. There's also Pre-emerge, prepare if you'd want to do that. And you could go pre-emerge or very, very early post Anthem Flex or Zidua. Both contain that zid the active ingredient that's in Zidua. The Anthem Flex also has the active ingredient from AIM as a burn down. But but I'm just saying there are some products out there. So I mean there's also Osprey that's not Real great done cheatgrass, maybe a little more activity on the rye, but it's like, uh, it, it, nothing's going to be perfect out there. Now, I will say there are some people who run with clearfield wheat and then they spray Beyond. Now, keep in mind, Beyond is the exact same thing as Raptor that a lot of us use in soybeans or in alfalfa. And it's going to be okay on grasses, but it's also not great. And it's an ALS. So hopefully you don't have any ALS resistance or anything like that because just about all these choices that I mentioned, all ALS other than the Zidua or Anthem Flex.
0: You know, I always like to talk about Roundup as a burn down too, and I don't yeah, know where you're at, Wesley, if if you happen to have weeds that are already up, if you got weeds that are up before you've seeded the wheat or before the wheat is up, yeah, Roundup still works great on those two weeds. Now I get it, it doesn't have yeah. any residual, but if you at least wipe out that first flush, that's not a bad deal. So you well, could certainly add that in when you're putting the pre out and and uh, at least kill some weeds.
6: Yeah, and this is also why a lot of people love rotating soybeans with wheat, because in soybeans you have that opportunity to go Roundup ready soybeans, kill stuff with Roundup and all the other great grass killers that are labeled in the broadleaf crop soybeans.
0: All right, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Wesley. Uh, Get this one from Dave over in Wisconsin. He said, all right, guys, by the time corn is combined in Wisconsin, it freezes, so I'm wondering about breaking residue down a little bit quicker. We're going to be applying liquid manure. Will that have enough car, or enough nitrogen in there uh, to, to do a lot of the job? Or would adding yeah. something like a, a decomp or, or some of these breakdown products, would they still work this late in the season?
6: They're not going to work very well unless you have heat. It requires heat to get microbes going. So with decomp and a lot of similar products, they're microbial and the microbes have to have that heat. So yeah, when you start getting real late into the season, no, that's not going to make a lot of difference for you. Now, if you want to spray those things early in the spring, you certainly can. They will help you then. But if it's, if we're to freezing temperatures, you're just not going to get the response I think you're going to be looking for. But here's the thing. When you're going out there with the manure, you've got two things going for you. One, the tillage. And what that tillage does, I mean, it'll start breaking the residue down, plus it brings the dirt up, the the microbes, enzymes, everything else. But then also when you have manure out there, sure, it's got nitrogen, but it also has microbes and other things in there that can help speed that residue breakdown for you.
0: Yeah, the carbon-to-nitrogen ratio is a big deal, and residue is really yeah. high in carbon and not much nitrogen. So we need some nitrogen out there to do the job. Even with the microbial products, that's great. We need microbes to break things down, but we need heat, as Brian mentioned, and we need some nitrogen in the mix. So, yeah, liquid manure, that's nice. You get a, a nitrogen source there. Uh, if you had some heat and you had more season left, uh, we could we could break down residue much faster, which is obviously why you're asking the question because you ran out of heat. Hey, thanks Dave. We do appreciate it. Got this one from Paul over in Colorado and he said, guys, I'm an agronomist in northeast Colorado and I'm working with a grower. It's got some unique challenges and uh, Brian, they, well, and any of our long-term listeners here, you're going to realize right away, these aren't unique. Uh, these are pretty regular. They've got irrigation water that's got a lot of sodium in it. Uh, it said uh, 284 pounds of sodium. Uh per acre as they're applying this water. And then also they're putting on a large dose of manure. So we're kind of a double whammy here with sodium. And as you can imagine, the soil tests are climbing uh, with some of these soil tests up to seven to 8% sodium. Others are still down in the three to 4% range, which in our opinion is too high as well uh, as as you're probably aware, Paul. So Paul said he's got the guys to not apply manure this year. That's a great first yep. step, Paul. Way to go. And they actually sold the manure with the high value of fertilizer this year. So that's that's great because they've already got over 200 parts per million of phosphorus. They've already got 6-7% uh, base saturation K on a 20 CEC soil. So they got enough P and K out there uh, and that that's great. So there's some good things there. Um, a couple of things. So Paul asks, what do you think? My calcium percentage on some of these soil tests is down around 50. Would beet lime be okay, even though all these fields are 7.5 to 8 pH with all that sodium out there? Could we add some more calcium in there? Would that help us uh, offset some of this sodium and possibly help it flush through?
6: Yes, but it's not going to do you any good for your pH. And so generally speaking, if your pH is high and you say, well, my only good source of calcium is lime and I need the calcium, that's fine, but you're going to need to offset that with a bunch of sulfur.
0: Yeah. And here's the other thing, Brian, and since you aren't, since you aren't able to see these soil tests, some of the soil tests have got 80 parts per million of sulfur left at the end of the season. Others have hundreds So that tells me we don't have good drainage through that soil, so we aren't going to be able to flush things out. The good news, Paul, uh, there's sulfur also in that water you're irrigating with. There's uh, quite a few pounds there, 326 pounds per acre there. So you're putting on a bunch of sulfur already. We could flush some of these things through with the sulfur in your soil and the sulfur that's getting applied through this irrigation water if we had good drainage. And to me, if I've got a CEC in the right around 20. I'd say average is right around 20, Brian. Are we looking at 25-foot tile spacings?
6: You don't have to go that close. I mean, even if you had 40 or 50-foot tile spacing, that's going to be fine. A lot of times when we start talking 20-foot tile spacings, that's where we're in that 30, 35, 40 CEC range. So, no, at 20, that's just barely what we would consider heavy soil. And I would also say it could be misleading. It might not actually be that heavy because once we get that sulfur, that sodium out of there, um, you might find that it's just a little bit lighter than that. So, I, I, no, I, I mean, I, if it's me, I'm probably starting at even 50 or 60 foot spacings and I might later split some in a few spots or something like that. But yep, I'm going to tile, but I'm going to come back to that water. That water is a problem.
0: So, so Paul yeah. asks, would you consider using uh, one of the sulfuric acid-based type products to treat the water? Or what would you do?
6: Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look for another water source. I'm going to go, I'm going to see, okay, with my well driller, if I go deeper, and I know it's going to cost more money to pump it, but if I go deeper, can I get better water quality? Or is there something else for water treatment that I can do? Yeah, I, I, I mean, would that matter? Well, think about this. What you're trying to do when you put that sulfur into the water, you still didn't get rid of the sodium. You still have the sodium there. And now you're doing exactly what I just said, put more sulfur on the ground. Well, you already have a bunch of sulfur that you're throwing out there. So could you try it? Sure. Do I think it's gonna work? No.
0: Well, Paul, I think you're, you're making some good first steps here. Not putting manure on, that's going to not add a whole bunch of sodium that way this fall in salts. That's great. Doing soil tests uh, down every few inches, I thought that was really good, too. Uh, we do some of that work on our farm as well, just to see what's that soil like as you go down. Good luck, Paul. If you've got follow-up questions, just let us know. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.